Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. I want to get into the Word this morning, and then we're going to, well, we're just going to see what the Lord has for us. And uh, I don't know, I see a fire tunnel in our future maybe here. And um, I mean, we've sung about it. We've sung about the fire. We've prayed about the fire. We've We've worshipped around the fire, and uh, but I think what I and what I have, what the Lord gave me, will lay right into this this morning, and I and it's not it will it will you'll see how this figures in. Um, I'm, this is part two of a series called Removed, and last week in part one we talked about in the removed part of it how that we get removed from the Lord. Today in this part two, I want to show you how you can get removed from yourself and how you can lose yourself in, in uh, separated in space, time, or character. And uh, last week was the distance and degree of relationship. And if, you know, we'll try to get that up where you can listen to part one, but we base part one out of Galatians chapter one, verse three, where Paul talks about how we got delivered and then in getting delivered, how that the Galatians had been removed from that by, uh, by another gospel, by getting distracted and getting, uh, getting off of Jesus. But this morning, if you have a Bible, uh, I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 3, and it says this. It says, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And God said, who told you that you were naked? Now, I left out verse 10, because you know this story, you know, where Adam and Eve sin in the garden, and they eat of the tree that God told them, the one tree God said not to eat, they ate. God comes looking for them in the garden like he did every day, and he says, where are you? Now, when God asks a question like this, it's not because God doesn't know where you are. The question is he's really asking you, this is where you have to really, you know, this is like even in the presence of God here today. The Lord might come and ask you something, but let me tell you something before you answer, be careful. Because God already knows the answer to the question. It's not like you, God lost him and said, where are you? It was, God was really asking Adam, do you know where you are now? Do you know what happened? You, do you know what just happened here? And uh, Adam says, well, I was naked and I hid myself. You know, and, and that, that was the, the, hid, the hiding of himself was where he lost himself and and in his shame and in his uh, sin consciousness, he, he thought he could hide from God. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Like, who filled you in on this, on this thing? Because up until this time, Adam had such a God consciousness that all Adam, Adam had such a God focus and a God centeredness that, that everything was from God to God, around God. And now all of a sudden, he's thinking thoughts that, that are self from out of his own self. I am naked. And a lot of us, we, we, you know, we need to understand this too because many times in our quest for spirituality, many times, many people think that what they need is to get more self-centered, more self-focused. 
And there's a spirituality today that is very self-focused that is a false spirituality because it keeps your eyes on you. And real spirituality gets your eyes off of you and gets your eyes on Jesus. Can you say amen to that? And I'm just trying to move here, get you, to get you moving along. It says, so have you eaten from the fruit of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Have you eaten? See, God was asking the question, Adam, what have you done? Where are you? And he's, he's, he's seen if Adam realized what he had done because he ate the tree of self-awareness. That's what he did. He ate the tree of self-awareness. And so, you know, there's a say, how many of you have ever heard the saying that hindsight is 2020? You ever heard that? I mean, how many of you have a few years on you and you wish you knew then what you know now? <laughs> so hindsight is twenty twenty because you can see where you've been. We'll say more about that in a minute. And, uh, but let me, for the sake of continuing to lay this foundation... So while hindsight is 2020, we all go into the future somewhat blind. Let me let that soak in. We all go into the future somewhat blind. We all go into the future somewhat blind. I mean, how many of you had this all figured out when you were 20 years old? I mean, and listen, some of you older people need to lighten up. When it comes to your kids, I mean, how many, you know, you're, 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 you get all uptight about, oh, my Lord, if, what, if, what if my kid doesn't get the right job? How many of you are working the same job today that you worked when you were uh, 18 years old? Is there anybody here? I mean, there might be. There are some people who really have. But, but how many of you have changed careers at least twice? How many of you would like a career change right now? No, seriously, I mean, you know, you're like, you, you, you might be doing the thing that you trained for, went to school for, makes a good living, but, you're, but, but if you'd have seen what you, then what you saw now, you'd have went into something different. My daughter went to Valparaiso University and got a, a degree in teaching, you know, and, 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 you know, and that's a, I mean, as far as degrees go, that's, you know... But here's the thing, she came out of college, tried to teach, taught for a couple of years, and decided, I don't like teaching. But that wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't the end of anything. It was how, how God was leading her into the future and, and, and how God was taking her into places. I, I can, I can, you and I both can look back and, and we can realize we, we all tend to go into the future blind. We, we don't, God never lays it all out for you. Would you say amen to that? And so what happens though is here's, here's kind of some different aspects of our blindness. Sometimes we're blind to reality. You know, the, rea the reality is that we need to, we really have to ask God to open our eyes because if we don't open our eyes, we will live in some, some kind of self-created world detached from reality. I mean, a lot of people are not living in the real world. Are you with me? A lot of people are blinded to reality. The reality is is. is, is clear, but, but they refuse to accept it because they're in denial. Yes. 
When it comes to different aspects of your life, you need to ask God always, God, open my eyes. God, keep my eyes open. Are you, are you with me this morning? Because if, you don't, if, if God doesn't open your eyes, blindness has a way of, of hurt. Blindness can hurt when you walk into that thing that you couldn't see coming. And so the blindness to the reality, you know, I, I thought about like some of the, the, the reality is that, you know, some people live in such a sense of, you know, of, of like this, here's their, here's their sense of reality. They meet the wrong person and they suddenly decide, I, here, here's a person I can spend my life, my entire life with. And you know how they, and yet they know this person is not really the right person, not really the person. But here's, here's, their, here's their way of adjusting to reality. I can change him. Somebody laughed. You know why we laugh? Because that's funny. I can change him. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, you know, how many people go into reality thinking, I know this isn't right, this isn't what it should be, I know this isn't what God wants it to be, but, but I, I'm going to go into it because... I can change this, all right? or I can change them. And I want to tell you something, that that is not, that is not going in with, with a, a grip on reality. A lot of people are blind to consequences. I could say more. I, I just got to keep moving here. Blind to consequences. In other words, we make decisions that we don't really think through the full weight of, of, of all that this might do. I mean, have you ever thought about how many decisions you make throughout your day and even through your life? And how many times do we really think about the consequences of what we're doing? Many people don't think, did Adam, you think Adam sat down and thought, when I eat this tree, this is what's going to happen. He didn't think about the consequences. He was blind to the consequences. He, he, his, his idea was, eh, it'll all work out. Hello? And so we delve into things and, we, and we're blind to the consequences and we don't think about the, the, that there's going to come a harvest and a fruition from what we're doing. And many times we need to stop and really think about it. Do you realize that a lot of the decisions that you make have far-reaching consequences in your life? Hello? Are y'all with me this morning? And so many times we're blind to consequences. Number three, we're blind to the future. In other words, we, many times we, we don't think about the future. We think about what's going to bring me present relief, present satisfaction, present results. We don't think about how we can sell our future for something right now. Like Esau sold his birthright, the future, he sold his future for something right there in the moment. Many a, many a person has sold their future for an impulsive decision, a rash decision, something they didn't really think through and then they get into it. I, I, when you're young, you don't think about, you know, here's, here's, here's a young person, he goes, ah, this will be fun. You ever watch those videos? This will be fun right before they crack their skull right, wide open. You know, hey, let's ride our bike down this set of stairs over the rail and let's see how this works. And not thinking about the future. I know we need to think about the future. 
You know, listen, as, as the children of God, we need to think about what, what's the ramifications of what I'm about to do. I've seen people make decisions and do things and without really considering the future. How's this going to affect my future? I've seen people make career decisions, not based on long-term goals and destiny, but on what brings immediate satisfaction. Well, I'm going to take this job because it pays more money. But yeah, what if, what if while making more money, though, you have to sell your soul... And next thing you know, the thing that you're doing consumes you and you lose your direction and you lose your purpose in life, but you're making lots of money. Hello. Number four is blind to resolution. So we get things, you know, things get in a pickle, you know, and, and, and we don't know then how to resolve it. We get stuck. Because how do you know many times the decisions we make and things that we do will box you in? Hello. They will box you in. And, 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 and many times we think, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? And the trouble is many times because we don't know, we don't understand foresight because we have no foresight, we're stuck and have no resolution. And I've known people staying in those situations way too long. And they cost you way more than you figured. And they keep you way longer than you wanted to stay. And they're blind to the resolution. Even though the resolution, you know, how many of you know that when there's a resolution presented to you, you need to take it? If, in other words, if God offers you a way out, take it. Well, I don't know. That's, I might, you know, what if, I, what if I hurt this person? So wait, you're, gonna, you're willing to stay in bondage so you don't hurt this person, and you're not looking at the, the long-range foresight of where this is taking you, but your, your, your vision is set on, I don't want to let this person down. You know what usually happens there? Now listen to me carefully. When you look like that and think like that and do like that, yeah, you may not hurt that person, but you will end up letting God down. The fear of man bringeth a snare. All right, moving right along. This preached so much better in my mind. <laughs> but my mind is a funny place. So here's the aspect of separate in the, the word. Here's, this is a dictionary definition. The second de dictionary definition of, of removed. It means to separate in space, time, or character. To separate. Everybody say separate. 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 To separate in space, in time, or character. There's, there comes a time 
where, you, where, where you'll find there's a demarcation. You have to extricate yourself from a situation. You have to move from a situation. How many of you have ever gotten a situation that was tight? And you, you know, we talked about this last week, you know, with the wells. They, they got to the first well, and it was nothing but strife. And so he moved to another situation, and there was nothing but accusation. And he moved to the next place, and the next place was Rehoboth, and it was the wide open place where God made room for them. And so, you know, to be removed is to, is, is to keep going until you find this wide open space. Because in space, time, or character, because many times what we don't understand too is part of the journey getting to a place of vision is that God, God wants to give you wisdom. And so wisdom is to, is to see things like God sees things. Now look at this verse in Proverbs. I love this. I love the book of Proverbs. And... Um, it says, the lips, of the, wise, well, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, sifting it as chaff from the grain. The lips of the wise. Now, a wise person is a person with foresight. Wisdom is foresight. It's the ability to see what God sees and see into your future and see the long-range consequences. So he says, the lips of the wise spread knowledge sifting it as chaff from the grain. So how many of you know when you harvest uh, the grain, it has an outer covering on it that's, that's chaff. It's, it's useless. And it has to be separated from the grain, separated so that the only thing left is the fruit, the grain. Just like our lives. Now listen, what God's trying to do is it, it, God, has, God has a plan for us to, to, to sift us, to get rid of the chaff in our lives and bring gain. But the hearts of the short-sighted fools are not so. The fool in the Bible is the person who is short-sighted. Just like a wise person has foresight, a fool has no foresight and is in fact short-sighted. That's what a fool is in Proverbs. And so... Um, Foresight is challenging. How many of you know it's hard sometimes? We just said it's hard sometimes to see the future. It is. And so you, have, you need to really be all the more careful in your decisions. How many of you know one decision can change your whole life in a heartbeat? And so foresight is challenging, but hindsight is a challenge too. Now, I want to just say this, and I'm just going to hit and run here, because this will, be a, this will make another message all on its own, and I'm going to, on lies that we should never believe. Here's one of them. Hindsight is 2020. If that were true, how come we keep making the same mistakes over and over again? All right, moving right along. <laughs> Hindsight is a challenge for us because many of us don't stop and really think about where we've been and what we've been doing. And then we get mad at somebody when, when they say, hey, you're being a little short-sighted here, don't you think? We get mad at somebody who calls us to look beyond the moment and say, hey, what's God trying to do here? He's trying to get something off of you so he can get something on you. And, and, and that's... The lips of the wise. 
I want, to, I want my lips to speak wisdom here today. I'm not looking for short, short-sighted answers to problems. I'm not looking for quick fixes. There are answers though, and, 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 and foresight is a great way, but we also need to, we really need to pray about our hindsight. God help me, what, did I, what just happened here? And how, how can I learn from this? What's the moment, what's the teaching moment in this? You know, many times, many of us are so angry and mad over something that happens to us, we miss the teaching moment in it because we're so emotionally distraught in it that we can't see what God could do through it. That's actually tweetable right there, but we're moving right along. And so, and so here's, here's what I got here. Two masters, two choices, two outcomes. Two masters. Now, this is out of Luke 22, 31, 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. That he may sift you as wheat. Sifting is that separation. It's where the grain is tossed. This is how they did it in the Old Testament times. They put it in a sieve, and they tossed it, and the wind would blow the chaff away, and the fruit would fall into the into the basket, and so that, what, what, what Jesus is talking about, he says, and the Lord, everybody say the Lord, so he's one of the masters, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan, make no mistake about it, he's another master, no man can serve two masters, he will love the one and hate the other, are you with me? So we got the Lord is one master, Satan is another master. They eat, both are very different, and that they have very different outcomes. There's two outcomes. He says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. So let me ask you this. When Satan is tossing you, just like as the Lord was ministering to you this morning about the storm and about getting rid of some things, and I'm, I'm just, I make no apology for this because I know, it, I know as it goes today that, that we're, you know, we're supposed to stay away from these areas because it makes people uncomfortable. But I'm here to tell you something that, that God has a way of making you uncomfortable in order to grow you up. And so if I say, I say, God, just go ahead and, and put the heat on me and make me uncomfortable and grow me up. Because here's the thing, there's two masters I made my choice to, let, to serve the Lord. I have made my choice to give him my all. And so that doesn't mean that I'm going to miss being sifted because there's two choices here. I'm either going to let the Lord sift me or I'm going to let Satan sift me. Now, when Satan sifts you, his goal is to toss you with the idea of separating you from the Lord. He wants to separate you from the Lord. When Jesus sifts you, he wants to separate the worthless things in your life so that the real fruit, which is, is, your, which is your connection to Jesus, remains. Uh, he has called us, according to John 15, to abide in him because without me, you can do nothing. So when the Lord sifts you, he, the things we go through are meant to toss us so that we get closer to, to Jesus and become more like Jesus. Does that make sense? And Satan's tossing you to try to move you away from the Lord. 
So think about it. When you're in the middle of a, of a trial, don't you sense this pull going on? And many times the enemy uses it to pull you away from God, pull you away from the people of God, pull you away from church. But I've prayed for you, now listen, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. That means utterly cease. I have prayed for you that your faith should not utterly cease. Because in that sense, Peter, when in Luke 22 here, when the Lord is ministering to him, Peter is about to go through the trial of his life. Because he's going to deny that he knows the Lord. In front of a fire to a little servant girl. Yeah, you're one of his. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. You're one of his disciples. I've seen you with him. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You are one of his. And then he hears this, hears this rooster crow three times, and the words of Jesus come back and says, this night before it's over, you will deny you even knew me. And then his heart is exposed because Peter, pro remember how Peter protested that? Oh, Lord, I, I would never deny you. I'm willing to die for you. Because Peter didn't even know himself. Peter didn't even know what was in him. You know, I, I submit to you that many of us don't even know our own hearts. I, let me just say it this way. I, I, I am going after God because I don't think I know my own heart sometimes. I, I, I know I don't. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he, he, he exposes our heart. Many times, you know, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again right here. Many times God will offend your mind in order to expose your heart. Whew. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not utterly cease. And when you have returned to me, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That's Peter's journey. Remember when after... Uh, after Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, Peter was nowhere to be found. Hello? You know why he was nowhere to be found? Because his heart was condemning him. Remember when Jesus got before there and he says, he says, he says hey, uh, he's talking to Mary. Because Mary, a woman was the one who really went after Jesus after the resurrection because the rest of them were so weak in their faith that they were, they were in complete unbelief. Remember what Jesus told Mary? Go get my disciples and Peter. Make sure you get Peter. Why? Why would he, why would he call out Peter? Because Peter had hit rock bottom. I want to tell you something. Some of you, as this service has flowed this morning, the Holy Spirit called you by name. You sensed it in your heart. He called you, go get my disciples. And Terry, whatever your name is, he calls us by name. I have prayed for you that, you re that when you return to me, you strengthen your brethren. Are you with me this morning? There's two masters, two choices. You can either submit to Jesus and let him refine you and bring forth the gold, or you can submit to Satan who will cause you to, to get discouraged and even to fail. Fail. 
Because his purpose is to remove you from the Lord. Two different outcomes. One, you get more like Jesus. The other one, you get removed from Jesus. Do you see it? Okay, let's go a little further. I'm almost done. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Now, I did this a little bit, and I shared with some of this last night. And, and some of you have already heard this, but I'm going to hit this real quick. I learned, this, I learned this passage in the King James Bible, which I've memorized everything I know is in the King James, because that's all we read back in those days. And so what this verse says is, therefore being compassed by so great a cloud of witnesses, um, let us let go of every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. This is the Passion Translation, and, I, and, and, and it actually brings out the meaning of the word weight like I have never heard it before because it actually talks about the wound side of the, of, of, the, of the Christian heart, the believer's heart. We must let go of every wound. Everybody say every wound. How many of you know when Peter stood before that fire and denied the Lord, an arrow pierced his heart? And that's what, this, that's what this word means here, that the wound is how an arrow comes in and, and breaks off. Because that's what Satan tries to do and has tried to do with every one of you if you've been saved more than a few minutes. He's tried to hurt you and break the arrow off in you. Many of you are like spiritual Rambos. I know you're not supposed to, I hope you've never, I hope none of you have watched this movie. But I was told by somebody that Rambo was fighting this whole group of, of the enemy, and he got shot with an arrow right here. And he's trying to save everybody, and he gets shot, and, and I'm like, oh! Well, I'm thinking, as this person told me the story, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, ooh, that had to hurt. I mean, he had an arrow right here, and, and, and there's still too many of the enemy, and on all the, refu- uh, the, the soldiers, the, not refugees, what do you call them, the prisoners of war had not been released yet. All the prisoner wars they were still locked up. There were still men who needed to be saved. And the enemy was coming after him. I, didn't, I never thought in, in my wildest imaginations that I would ever be preaching Rambo in church. But I'm here to tell you something that, that, that there's a lot of people out there who need to be saved. And, 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 and many of us have a heart to reach them. But here's what the enemy does. In order to keep you from going after those prisoners of war, he shoots you with an arrow. How many of you have been shot? You've been hurt with something. You've been wounded in your life. And Rambo is shot. And he's over there laying in the grass. And they told me he was bleeding really bad. And he was hurting and my imagination could just see it with the headband around his head and the sweat running down. I could just see it in my imagination. And I could just see it as he struggled with it. And he looks at this arrow and it's sticking out. And so Rambo does what every real man or woman of God would do. He took the arrow and he snapped it off. And I went, ooh. And he got up and he went out. And he fought the enemy 
And he brought those prisoners of war out because he refused to let the wound, the thing that had pierced him, the thing that had come against him, he refused to let it stop him from finishing the mission, that the mission was to go and get them saved. Go preach the gospel. Go love them back into the kingdom of God. Go love them back. And, 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 but too many people get shot. And when they get shot, you know what they do? They quit. And, and the movie has been paused and you're laying in the grass bleeding. You're laying in the grass bleeding. And then you come in a church like this and you see a crazy pastor preaching a crazy message about a crazy man who has no better sense than to, than to surrender because he says, I come to get these people out of here. And even though he gets shot, even though he's been wounded, he breaks off that arrow. I heard, I heard in one movie he actually did surgery on himself and cut it out with his Bowie knife, his Rambo knife. That's what I heard. Is that true? Shame on you for knowing the answer to that question. But some of you have walked in this place today, and the devil has sidelined you. He puts you in the grass, and you, you are wounded, and you don't know what to do. And I come to tell you this morning that Satan came to separate you from Jesus, but God has a plan, a different plan. He has a different move for you. He has something different in store for you, and that he'll bring you out of this wounding and remove the arrow so you can get about your father's business. Come on now. Glory to God. I wanted to show you this picture because it's your move. It's your move. I don't know how many of you have ever played chess. Not too many people play chess. It's a, it's a, it's a highly, highly skilled game, a game where you have to think. You have to think about your moves. Not only do you have to process your move, but you got to think in terms of your opponent's move. The whole goal is to bring your opponent's king under what they call checkmate. I, I have a chess set up in my office, and if some of you would like to take me on, I would like to play somebody that actually knows how to play chess. I'm tired of beating all these chumps. I looked up the word, I looked up that word, I was doing some studying about, about this because I had, I had it in mind, I was going to do this whole thing on, on this, and, uh, but I'm just going to show you this picture because if you notice in this picture, this is a picture that was painted back I think in the 1600s, and the man in the red there represents the devil, and the, the man in the green represents a young man, and the title of this painting is Checkmate. That's the title of this, and if you look at the board... The, 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 black, uh, the black pieces are set in such a way that if you really look at it, and, and guys have done it. Actually, I heard, I read a story that uh, the great chess player, Bobby Fischer, looked at this board because, because supposedly in this picture, Satan is telling the young man, checkmate. 
I, I, I looked up the word checkmate and, and its etymology, and, and it, I thought it was really interesting because, um, because what, the word, because I kept thinking, why do, why do they say checkmate? I've played chess for years. Why do they use the word checkmate? And I, I looked it up, and it said that the, the, the origin of the name comes from a, from a Syrian word that literally translates, your king is dead. Because that's the goal of chess, is that you so surround the king that he cannot make a move, he cannot do anything, and when he cannot move anymore, the king is dead, or checkmate. And you see, here you see the scheme of Satan. Every one of you, the enemy, has tried to set up your life, even set up your own decisions, even set up what you've done, where you've been, and even where you're going to set you up in a position where he can say to you, checkmate, your king is dead. You have no more move. Isn't that what Satan did to Jesus? He assaulted him, assaulted him, went after him his whole life. And then finally on the cross, he snuffed out the life of the man who came from heaven with the plan of salvation, who came to destroy Satan's works. And Satan sees him between heaven and earth, spanning on a cross, and says, checkmate, the king is dead. But I came to tell you this morning, listen to me, that this board set up like this looks like chessmate. And when Bobby Fisher, who was, for you, you'd have to be at least my age to know who Bobby Fisher is, he was one of the great chess players of our time, great, one of the greatest of all time. And Bobby Fisher, they said, set up a chessboard with the same pieces in that same way and studied it to see is in fact this young man in checkmate. And Bobby Fisher said when he set the board up, he said this, there's one more move. And Fisher played the board out and defeated the devil because there was one more move. And I came to tell you this morning, the devil has tried to trap you. He's tried to trap you in past decisions. He's trying to trap you in future decisions. He doesn't care how or what or what moves he has to make. All he's trying to do is maneuver you where you have no more move and get you to think that's it. I'm done. I'm dead. My king is dead. Checkmate. But Jesus came for this express purpose. When they put him on the cross and put him in the tomb and rolled the stone away and the devil and all his demons danced for glee. But on the third day, God says, I've got one more move. I got one more move for you. I got one more move that will open you up and bring you out. I got one more move that will set you free. It's your move now. It's your move now. The devil's a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. My king 
is not dead. God's not dead. He's still alive. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. Man, I just feel the weighty presence of God right here and right now. feel like God's brought you to this place today to tell you, no, 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 your king is not dead. There's one more move. There's one more move. There's one more move. There's one more move. I'd like everyone to stand. Would you just stand with me? I'm just really trying to, to be sensitive to the Lord here because this next move is really important in your life. I don't want you to make a move out of your emotion. I don't want you to make a move out of your feelings. I want you to make a move out of your faith. Let your faith take this next move. Let your faith make this next move for you. Because maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you, like Adam, have been hiding. Maybe you, like Adam, have lost yourself. And God has come looking for you and said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? God knew where he was. He wanted to know if Adam knew where he was. And God brought you here today, I think, because he knows where you are. He wants to know if you know where you are. Some of you thought, well, this is it. I don't have any more moves left. God says, oh, I got one more move for you. One more move for you. There's one more move for you. Get your faith back up. Get back up on top. The sifting, the sifting, the shaking, everything that's taken place, the enemy used it to try to separate you from God. God says, I let you go through this so that I could bring forth the fruit, so I could bring forth the gold. Consume me, Lord. Consume me, Lord. Consume me, Lord. Consume me. Burn out the dross. Bring forth the gold. Burn in me. Burn in me. Burn in me. Burn in me. Burn in me this morning. Yeah, 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 Lord. So it's your move. It's your move. I'm going to ask all of my elders, pastors, the staff leaders, come up to the front. Join me here in this, at this altar, would you please? should put a line right across the front here. Turn and face the congregation, if you would, please. Hmm. Hmm. 
It's your move. You see, every one of these people you see standing up here are people who have come to that place where the enemy tried to tell them, too, that your king is dead. But they came to the realization, I have one more move. There's one more move. There's one more move. There's one more move. So my first, my first invitation before we do this, because I want everyone I want everyone that, that will, that wants prayer today, to come through today. But right now, I'm going to ask specifically for that, the person that today, Satan had you in checkmate. And you've been living like your king is dead. And you realize today that there's one more move. And I'm here to surrender that move to Jesus and say, Lord, here I am. Change me, save me, deliver me, forgive me, change me, bring forth the gold in me. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.